It's something when you rise up, it's you get up and you go. And I've been trying to search how could I describe it and, and how could I put it in one word. But I think I found a word that is, that so describes this day, this moment in time. It occurred 2,000 years ago and the women saw the empty tomb and something it's no doubt they were shaking in their sandals they they didn't wear boots if they were from southeastern ohio they probably would have been wearing mutters they're wearing sandals they're shaking nervousness why because they just beheld the angel of god that listen you you'd act really different if you saw an angel you would but what is it? What was it? What is that excitement within them? What was that? It can be said in one word. Hope. Hope. One word. Hope. Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It turned the tables of time and changed the destiny forever of those who will just call upon his name they'll be saved and there's hope there's hope hallelujah hope because the worst of all worst could happen in life happened to jesus on that friday But then he overcame the worst of all worst and came out of that tomb on Sunday. The angel didn't need to come and let him out. He was already gone. The angel came down and moved the stone that weighed approximately over two tons. Women who were excited or loved Jesus so much with the passion they were on their way to a tomb and then suddenly realized they had the oil to anoint his body, but then they thought, well, what are we going to do about the stone? God took care of the stone. Nothing ever got in the way of Jesus and nothing ever will get in the way of Jesus getting in and getting out to where he wants to be. Total freedom and liberty. You saw how to get out. Pastor, he got out the same way he came in to see the disciples when they had the doors locked and he walked in that same day that evening and in his power and majesty he just walked right through the door Jesus walked right through the stone and the angel moved that stone on that day of resurrection on that early Sunday morning just so that those women and Peter and the disciples could go and look on the inside God removed, the angel moved the stone not to let Jesus out, but so we might be able to look inside. Today, we're looking inside. Today, we see a, a cocoon of grave clothes that have been emptied and, and orderly still just laying there in that spot. The very same thing that Peter saw and John saw. The same Lord and Master who come into our lives through our lock doors some of you think you can block God out you can't block him out some of you are waiting 
I'll get saved one day. I'll accept Jesus one day. I got one question for you. What are you waiting on? Nothing's happened for you in the past time after time that you thought you could handle it. What are you waiting for? Now is the time and the moment Jesus is bringing salvation to all of us. I got preachy and I got ahead of myself a little bit, but that's okay. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to find it where I'm going. I just wanted to say that. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my. Easter Sunday morning is the most intense time for a pastor to preach. I want you to know that. I've been praying for all pastors in our community. This Sunday morning is an intense Sunday morning because every pastor knows that there's going to be those who are going to come in. They've been invited by family and loved ones and hoping, desiring, perhaps this be the moment in time and the day that their loved one will accept Jesus Christ. So I know many prayers have gone up and the Lord's doing a great work. And I thank him for his anointing. Praise the Lord. How many here are glad that Jesus arose? How many are glad that Jesus raised from the dead? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, my goodness. This design behind me is a special design. It's, it's not unique. It's actually quite popular. Be seen in different places. The artwork can be, this artwork up here can be seen on t-shirts and decals and stickers and can be seen on social media. But this design has a story behind it, a unique story. It was created by an elderly preacher who's now passed away and happened to be a friend of the Robertson family, which is the stars of Duck Dynasty. They actually spoke at his funeral. And this elderly preacher, with this inspiration of this design, throughout the church that he was a part of, several places you see the artwork up, and even at the pulpit, is the simple design and drawing that he drew. And he drew it from his heart. When I saw it, I thought, you know what, this thing has a, a special appeal to it. This design has a, a message that stands out. I thought this year in 2023, we have made a decision in this church to create a vision for this year of follow or find your why. That you find your why. And when I look at this, I look at it as though this is Jesus' finding his why, connecting with humanity. It's an outline of his purpose, of him coming to this world. If you look at this design, it will speak to you. It will preach to you. It represents Jesus' why of why he came to this world. And, and, it, and it represents his purpose and his connection with humanity and, and what is 
the gospel, the good news. Can I say good news? How many of you have heard this past week some bad news? Raise your hand. How many have heard several times bad news this week? Raise your hand. I want you to know that this is the good news and the good news. And that it's what it is is the gospel, the good news plan from the Lord, the gospel. As Paul begins to tell us what it is in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9 and 11 and 12, Paul writes and he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, which is not another, but there is some who trouble you and want you or want to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's working today, isn't it? But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say it again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, the good news. Euangelon in the Greek is that word use. And it means the gospel. Literally, it means this in translation to Greek. God's good news. God's good news. It's not just good news like, um, good news like we're going to have bacon for breakfast this morning. Yeah, I'm hooked on bacon. Who wouldn't be? Free bacon for everybody next week. I'm just kidding. Some, some people are looking at me real crazy here, okay? All right. Or news like, next week we're going on vacation. Good news, you know. That's kind of good news. Or, I have a new car. That's, that's good news. How many are happy? Good news. Someone's got a car. Maybe you've got one, a new one, or someone has just bought one. Or, or the news that inflation is going down. Man, we got some shouters in this house. I mean, <laughs> inflation going down. But it's not that any good news. You know what I'm saying? You angulon, the gospel is not just any good news that someone else can claim and speak of and talk about. Some philosopher, some educator, some uh, superstar celebrity. It's not any news that they can give that is their own news that is the good news, which is euangelon. Euangelon means God's good news. That's where we get that same word, where we get evangelist from. Sharing the good news. God's good news. Let me tell you, I can tell you things. It might make you feel pretty good, but it won't make any difference in your life. But I can tell you, however, God's good news, and it can transform your life, and God can do something powerful in your life because it's the gospel. It's the good news. It's God's good news. Anybody receive God's good news, raise your hand, say amen, say hallelujah, whatever you want to do. Amen.
It's God's good news. Because you can get good news, but God's good news is something eternal, everlasting in nature. Is God's good news. It's news that you and I, we just have to share it. It's good news. It's God's good news. We just have to share it. It's world-changing. It's life-transforming. It's transforming, life-transforming news. I love you, and I want to help you. But let me tell you God's good news. There is someone who can make a difference in your life who is eternal, who sits at the right hand of the Father, who paid the price for forgiveness. He knows you've done wrong. He knows what you did last week. He knows what you're guilty of. He knows all your faults. He knows them all, but yet he loves you just the same. And he wants to give you God's good news that though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. Then he said, come unto me, you who are heavy, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Learn of me and know who I am and know that I'm able to make a difference in your life. He is the prince of peace. He's everything. He is transforming. The news you just have to share in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, talking about the gospel, the good news, God's good news, Paul says, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand. We stand on the good news. We stand on the God's good news, which we preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you're saved. If you hold fast that which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, hold on to the good news. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received. Here it is. Here's the gospel. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to scriptures. It's as simple as that. I guess that's why there's hope in the atmosphere, because it's the good news gospel message. Christ died on the cross, buried in the tomb three days and rose on the third day and he's alive today i mean just simply you you look this message behind me is that first of all he came down i don't know why he wanted to come down it had to have been a love i don't understand because i don't think i haven't met too many people except my wife that is worth jesus coming down and coming down to earth to save I'm not worth it. How many here? I don't think you'd raise your hand if you thought you were worth it. But somehow he came just the same. He came down from the glory of heaven. He saw the need of humanity. He saw what the devil had taken from mankind. And he had a plan in a way where that he came down. He didn't send an angel down to handle things. He didn't send a mighty angel, an archangel to come down and start fixing our mess that we had done in the garden and how we had sinned against God and now have, have death instead of life. That is our expectancy. He didn't, he didn't send an angel down to do that job. No, he said, I'm going to go down and handle this myself. And he came down. He came down in John 1 and 14. The Bible says, and the word became flesh and hung out with us. 
I, I, I like that. I know he dwelt with us, the scripture said, but I just like, and he hung out with us. I mean, yeah, he went to McDonald's with us. Yeah, yeah. He sat down and watched America's Got Talent on TV with us. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he went hunting with us. He sat by the lakeside with me while I went fishing. He came out and he hung out with me. He decided to be like me. To see, to feel, to understand what I'm going through. Touch with the feelings of infirmities. Like we are yet without sin. He came and he came down in the flesh. And we beheld his glory. We found out what he could do. We discovered that he can heal the lame. And he can raise the dead. We, we discovered how he can feed the multitudes. And how he can even walk on water. He can do these things. We beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. The one and only of God. The one and only begotten of the Father. Full of anger. And boy was he perturbed. That doesn't say that, does it? Full of grace and truth. Oh my God. Truth is kind of a vicious thing today. It's not accepted too well sometimes. But. They didn't accept his truth either, but it was all about his plan. He came down. He came down. Then he died. Jesus died. In Luke 23 and 46, the Bible says, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice hanging on the cross, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And after saying that, he gave up the ghost. And he died. He died on the cross. He wasn't executed by the hands of those who made it happen. And he was forced to go through it. He decided to go through it. No man took his life, but he laid his life down freely. See, that's, that's the crux of the matter. He wasn't a criminal. He was the Savior. He was large and in charge even when he was hanging on the cross. He's still the son of God. And when he gave up the ghost and died, he was the son of God. He was going the steps that you and I were going to have to go through in our life. So he died. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the place of sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I think there's a, there's a disease in our world right now. And it's something called an eye disease. An eye disease where everyone is so caught up about themselves and what about them and how things are going to benefit them. And they need to be in the center. They need to always be in the picture. They've got to be a part of things. And, and, and that there's such a self-centered culture right now. But thank God for the cross. Jesus gives us the example that the, the master is not greater than the servant. And the servant's no greater than the master. And Jesus brought about that on the cross, it's level, level ground at the foot of the cross. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because he died on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us and paid the price. The price for our salvation. The blood that was shed. He died on the cross. 
I can't take the time to tell you everything that took place and all that went and went and took place and the description of the darkness and the description of the agony and the description of the brutality that took place. But you know it. You know it. You've heard it. You've seen it. You've you've seen it and you know what Jesus went through and he did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for every one of us. He did it for that lost child you have right now that's hooked on drugs. Jesus died on the cross for him. Jesus died on the cross for that wayward loved one that is an alcoholic. Maybe you're here today and you're an alcoholic. Jesus died for you. He paid the price for your sins. He loves you. He loves you how you are right now. And he wants to transform you through his love and his mercy. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. God's perfect sacrifice for humanity. He died on the cross. He died. He arose. He arose. The third day, as I said earlier, the angel came and rolled the stone away. Jesus was already gone. So those can see and look inside and know that he's dead. Let me tell you this. This isn't some little fable. You've got to put it in proper context. That tomb was right around Jerusalem. And the great outpouring, the move of God and evangelism took place for the loss began in Jerusalem as Jesus said it would. All they had to do is produce the body of Jesus. That nobody could. Nobody could because Jesus was alive. It was just obvious. All they had to do is find the body of Jesus after he'd been crucified and it would have killed any thought of Christianity. But it's still alive today because he's alive today. Amen. They never could find his body. They can't find his body on this planet. They might be able to see him if they look up toward heaven and see him. But he, he didn't die and stay in the tomb. He rose on the third day. I've preached a lot of, of funerals in my life. I've sat down and talked with families that, that are grieving and so sad and, and the, the hurt and the despondency of it all. I don't like doing funerals, but I want to give the good news of Jesus Christ at that funeral. I want people to know that this isn't the end for the one who believes in him. It's only the beginning of the beginning for the child of God who is saved. This isn't the end. Hallelujah. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. To all the students who are in this room. You didn't come from an, a primate. You didn't come from little slithery, slimy little thing amoeba that somehow evolved into a fish and from a fish to I think I'm going to take a walk and get on the land and start walking. It didn't happen that way. God has uniquely created you and created you so that you might find a Savior named Jesus Christ. He arose. Luke 24, 6 and 7. I got to read scripture on this. It's Easter. It's resurrection day. The angel said, to the women standing there. They saw the stone was moved. It just simply said, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Jesus 
didn't come, even for those, listen, I believe God gives good life to those who follow after him and serve Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't come to make bad people good or good people better, but to make dead people alive. That's why Jesus came. Jesus knew when he said, when he told his disciples, he said his mission was he came to destroy the works of the devil. He destroyed the works of the devil. Satan thought he was victorious when he nailed him on the cross and he gave up the ghost and said, this is it. But I want you to know it was just all in the plans of God and the devil was hidden of the mystery of God and what God had in store. And on that third day, Jesus, walking out of that tomb, destroyed the works of the devil. And the worst of all, worst in this world and in this life, Jesus defeated the worst. He is victorious and you can depend on him. You need a life change, he'll give you a life change. You need forgiveness, he'll gladly pour forgiveness upon you. You need deliverance, he will deliver you. He has come to destroy the works of the devil. There's hope in the room. There's hope in the room. <laughs> Glory to God. He didn't come. Jesus is the only one in history who died, was placed in a borrowed tomb, got up, and gave it back to the one for whom he borrowed the tomb from. He's the only one that's ever done that. Only one. Jesus walking up, Joseph Arimathea. I know there weren't any keys to the tomb there. He probably walked up to him and said, hey, Joseph, here's your keys. Thanks a lot for, for the few days you let me use it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whatever happened to Joseph of Arimathea. He was an undercover Christian at that time when he lent his tomb, but I believe something happened afterwards. Because he, they gladly reported his name, who he was and what's going on. The news was out. Jesus was alive. And he probably said, I worship this man who is Messiah and the Son of God. One who was dead and, but is now alive forevermore. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He arose. Paul writes... Verse 12, now Christ has preached that he's been raised from the dead. How do some among you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then, you're, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. It's vain. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God. That he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most 
pitiable. King James says miserable. And has become the but and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. When he came out of the tomb, I came out of the tomb. When he came out of the tomb, you came out of the tomb. He sealed the deal, my friend, for eternal life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. I like that word pitiable in the New King James because it means pathetic, miserable. Paul's saying here, if you just got Christianity just make you feel good and there be no resurrection, then you are pathetic. But this we are not, he said. He said, we're the opposite. He said, we're fortunate. The opposite of pitiable is fortunate and privileged. Privileged. Do you see what I'm, the privilege we have in Christ? I don't mean to be down and morbid. But if you've got cancer this morning and you have Jesus Christ in your life, the Lord can heal you, but if you're not physically healed, you are still very fortunate and privileged because it won't be the end of the story. It will not be the end of the story. The Lord takes me and I pass away and I lie in that box and you walk past me, you just look at this old worn out shell and say, Ron Bynum's not there. Oh, Ron Bynum's going nutsy up there. Ron Bynum is excited in Jesus Christ. Ron Bynum sees the Lord as he is uh, sitting on the throne and being glorified. Ron Bynum is not feeling arthritis or sickness or pain and he certainly won't ever see death because Jesus rose from the dead and out of the tomb so that I can live and you can live forevermore. My goodness. There's hope in the house. There's hope in the house. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He came down. He died. He arose. Then he ascended. He ascended. Acts 1, 10, and 11 says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up in heaven? You know why they said that? You're still trying to see him. He's disappeared in the clouds. That's why the angel said, Well, you're still gazing, thinking, you know, you might still see him who was taken up from you into heaven, this same Jesus will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus ascended unto the Father. Why did he ascend in the Father? He went up to the Father to sit next to the Father making intercession for you and I 24-7. And listen, turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor this. Jesus is on my side. He's on my side. He's next to the Father. He's even worse than what my mama was. My mama, I tell you, my mama, my brothers and sisters, they could do the worst of all worse. They can be guilty of it all. 
They can make a mess of their adult lives during the time before they come to Christ. But my mama, my mama never said anything bad about her children. He, she always talked them up when somebody wanted to talk them down. Jesus Christ is for you. God's not against you. And Jesus is saying, I believe, Father, he's coming along just fine. I believe, Father, he's going to serve you like a way that people will come to Jesus Christ through him. I believe in him, Father. I believe that he's going to make it. I believe he's going to believe in you. I believe he's going to come in. He's interceding. He's interceding for your lost children. He's interceding for those that you want to see saved. He's interceding. Why? Because he died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended to the Father to do a continual work of salvation in our lives. Hallelujah. And then you know, you know, you know where I'm going, don't you? You know where I'm going, don't you? Some think it's the end of the line, but really, it's the moment we're looking for. He rose from the dead. He's alive. If he wouldn't stay dead, let me tell you, he's not going to stay away. He's coming back. He's coming back. And we on this planet who know him and know he's alive anticipate the day of the Lord's coming. Jesus is coming back again. In a moment that just think not, the Son of Man is coming. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise up first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then Paul doesn't stop there. He said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Uh, he's coming back. Uh, he came down. He died. He arose. He ascended. But I'm telling you, he is coming back. I don't, hey, listen, God's good news is telling you that. He's coming back. He's coming back. Thank God. Our Redeemer lives. Our Redeemer lives. How many here know that song, Because He Lives? I preached and yelled and carried on. You want to sing it with me for a moment? You don't have to play. Let's just, let's get our choir voices going on here. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. You sound so good. We got to do it again. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just 
because he lives. Would you just stand with me right now? If you know he's alive and he lives and he's on your side, I want you just to lift your hands and just begin to worship him, Lord. Oh, Lord, I worship you, Lord, on this resurrection day. I worship you, Lord, and I glorify your name for what you've done, what you've done, what you've done. The worship team want to come home. What you've done, oh, Lord, I worship you. I know I can live. I know there's hope. I got hope in you, Lord, because you're alive. You're alive. You're alive. I got hope in you. I know, Lord, what seems to be so devastating right now, oh, God, uh, what I'm going through, Lord, I got hope in you. I know, Lord, you can turn things around. You can change my life. Oh, Lord, I have hope in you. I was afraid of death, but, Lord, I don't have to be afraid now because of Jesus and Jesus Christ. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And he lives forevermore. You're here today, some of you, by invitation. Loved ones and friends have asked you to come. They're asking you to join in to this wonderful life that they found in Christ. They wouldn't ask you if they thought there's no way you could ever, ever live it. They ask you because they know Christ gives that life. And that you can live for the Lord and you be saved. And you can walk with Him. You can't save yourself. Some of us have been trying to do it and we keep on messing up. We can't do any better. We keep messing up. Lord, I need that hope. That hope that comes from you, Lord. That's what you need. You need the hope that Christ gives. And he wants to save you. He wants to bring you into fellowship with him. I'm telling you, there's no one like Jesus Christ. He'll be there for you during the darkest hours and your most lonely moments. He'll be there for you. He'll help you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you even to the end of the age. I'm with you. I'm with you. You need the Lord. You need Christ as your Savior. Why? I'm asking you and inviting you because we got God's good news. The Lord will forgive you. He loves you. He'll forgive you. It's not impossible. All things are possible with God. He does the forgiving. He does the saving. You don't do it. All you do is just follow Him. Follow after Him. Serve Him day by day. Just say, Lord, I, I need you in my life. It's not as hard as the enemy says it is. Because you have the Holy Spirit with you and help you. And people who will stand with you in the Lord. All right, then, so now's the moment. Now's the time. I'm going to ask you to make a decision. You need to make a decision. You need to make the right decision. You need Christ in your life. The Lord will help you. He loves you. He loves you. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say you can't live it. Well, you can't by yourself. But you can with Jesus. That's the equation. That's what changes the equation right there is Jesus. It's not you and you, but you and Jesus. He'll help you. He'll help you grow.
Would you just pray with me right now? Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit just move in the house right now and speak to hearts, Lord. Everyone here, Lord. Everyone here, Lord. We, I ask you, God, just speak to people's hearts and say, and just simply tell them, Lord, tell them this to their heart. You need me. You need me. You need me. Right now, Lord. Holy Spirit work. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer and then but you afterwards I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've made a commitment to Christ if you you were away from the Lord and now you know you prayed and you're believing to serve him and that you're forgiven of your sins at this prayer becomes the prayer between you and the Lord pray this prayer with me right now Heavenly Father I believe in the good news message that Jesus died on the cross and he rose on the third day. I ask you, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I need you in my life. I need your help to help me day by day. I'll walk this walk because you'll walk with me. I believe in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I confess my sins. And I come to you, Lord, to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer right now, here's your time of testimony. Just raise your hand. If you know at this moment you've made a commitment to Christ, maybe the first time you're coming back to the Lord, just raise your hand up quick and let it down. You need to testify. Let it be known. Let it be known. Just raise your hand up quickly. Let it down. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, guy. Thank you, brother. The Lord's speaking to you. Someone else, just raise your hand let it down. I prayed and I mean business with Jesus. I mean... I choose him. I choose Jesus. Just raise your hand and let it down. Praise the Lord. Will you give the Lord a clap offering of praise of two people come to the Lord this morning? Hallelujah! And to all of those who want to accuse and say all Christians want to do and pastors want to do is keep up a scorecard, let me tell you, absolutely, Absolutely. Every person that comes to Christ is the most important number of all. It's the most important number of all. Jesus died, rose from the dead, so he might save. He seeks and saves those that are lost. And praise the Lord for it. Isn't it wonderful? There's hope in the room. There's hope in the room. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a clap offering of praise. You've been really good, patient, playing there. Sing us a verse and a chorus, and we'll close. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name, I come alive. Resurrecting me by your spirit I 
all praise will rise to Christ our King. Yes, I think I do. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Can someone just magnify his name? Oh, thank you, Jesus. What we're going to do now is ask the early learner beginner parents to go get their children. So if you are the parent of an early learner beginner, three to five, three, four, and five-year-olds, you are allowed to leave the room early. Isn't that great? <laughs> and now, if you have junior age children that are in Kidmen today, would you please go get your children? And that would be all the way up through grade six. That way you can take some pictures and stuff like that. Yes, they have bags and stuff like that. If you want to get your picture taken up here, you can do that. If you want to get a photo op out in the foyer, you can do that. Somebody will help you with that. But do me a favor. Say hello to some people.